then you need to be a surgical sniper mm-hmm. to be able to jump through that gap. That is someone who shoots constructively scalpels. the organs off of people's body. I yeah, believe. with scalpel. Yeah. Yeah. Like with a scalpel appendix. gun. Mm-hmm. So yep. if somebody's appendix is bursting, you're 300 yards away. <laughs> you can't get there in time. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 142 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I try to fix broken, stupid, idiot websites. I'm Sam, and I like... <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> I like dogs. And uh, this is uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get started, I have something important to say. Mm, what's that? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Anything can happen on this show. Mm. There will be profanity. There's going to be lewdness, and we're going to talk about adult themes. So, if you're a child, then go ahead and leave. All right. News from this past week. First of all, Adam has been murdering scores of workers. Mm-hmm. That's true. Let's, I've been, let's talk about it. I've been working on my, my deployment pipeline, which sounds real fancy, uh, for, the, for the new website, for Rumpus, for all the stuff that we're building on the website. And with the, the end goal of making it so that all I have to do is just type a few things, just like while I'm programming, just type a few things, and then, and then I just sit there and wait. And then an army of robots off in the distance stampedes across the landscape yeah and respawns everything like rebuilds the website they adjust their numbers to match the amount of mm. traffic on our on our web server and all that kind of stuff so this is all part of adam's efforts to become the prime robomancer correct mm-hmm. yes of the earth yeah. so so that's been going really well and i finally the everything has, has gotten to a good enough point in preparation for uh for Levelhead, the game we're working on right now and for all the web stuff we're going to do with it uh, that we're getting, to, we're just getting so close to being able to beta test this thing. Yep. Uh, and that's also true for all the Rumpus stuff, all the all the web tech. And um, we're just getting so close to being technically able to do it. Uh, and in fact, on the website, we could just do it now in terms of the tech. The tech is ready. Yeah. But it is not deployed yet because to just deploy a website these days, it used to be just you know would go buy a computer, you put it in your basement in the corner, and plug it into the internet, and then fight your ISP. Because you know they're always to the death, to the death. Because mm-hmm. they're always throttling. And now, and now you're the ISP. Now, you well, now you just let Amazon do that fight, you know, oh, yeah, or right. or whoever, some other cloud service. Uh, well, the basic and, problem with web programming is that you build this, you build whatever you're building on your machine, and then you have to get it. And you got to get deployment it is just getting it from the machine onto the damn internet. Yeah, right. Yeah, and of course, and, the internet's not the same as your machine, and so then there's all these. Things you have to deal with all this bullshit. The internet is about. the tubes. The internet's just the tubes that go between the mm-hmm. machines. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, what, a, what a lot of people don't know is that um, MMA, like the Ultimate Fighting, mm-hmm. is actually Amazon and ISPs sending their champions yeah. to duke it out. To They're see. fighting mm-hmm. through avatars. Yeah, uh, it's people, just like Game of Thrones. People don't re- people don't realize that that's mm-hmm. that's that how that whole thing works. Yep. I wish I kind of wish we solved. Some disputes in some sort of by choosing champions, manner. yeah, <laughs> the old school way, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, the problem with solving things that way is that the winner is completely irrelevant to the problem at mm-hmm. hand, right? Yep. Like, did you murder this person? I did, but I don't want to go to jail. But I have this so friend who's seven feet tall. I have a yeah. friend. I have a seven foot tall friend. <laughs> so now I just do, don't get to go to jail now. Yep. Is that how that? Yeah. Now you're just not in trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is amazing the kinds of things we used to do. To solve problems, mm-hmm. solve quote unquote. I mean, we still problems. do. We still have wars and stuff. Like Somebody's, and we yeah. still have a fucked up legal system that can't do anything right. So, That's you true. Know, so it just turns out we just suck. 
Yeah. Just as a we are we are gradually becoming less murdery over time in our problem solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still very murdery though. Yeah. yeah. Very. Well, speaking murdery. of murdery, so the metaphor that Adam uses in code, I believe, for yeah. for all these robots is workers. Yeah. And so we've talked a lot about the power of metaphors and and choosing the right one for your tech or whatever you're you're, you're working on, so that you can essentially get a little mental assistance with how to frame thinking about the problem. Uh, and Adam's just been. I guess you have functions that are just about workers retiring, retiring and dying, and you which know, you kills the them whole, oftentimes. Yeah, and 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 so workers is, is a sort of a general computer science concept. It, it usually means spawning sort of an additional piece of software that's kind of just off doing a job, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's how I'm running stuff, I'm trying to you know trying to take advantage of the hardware to the max. So I'm just spawning all these workers across it. Uh, but you know, but just like in real life, workers they get old, mm-hmm. you know. They they start, can't. Their mental they faculties start to go. They just can't. And uh, well, you know, they hit that point on their retirement account where they're like, you know, yeah, it's time, time for me to punch out. I did yeah. my job. I did exactly. it. I did it. Yep. And so whether they've gone senile or whether it's just time <laughs> to retire, you know, just sometimes you gotta just you gotta, whatever they're doing is not relevant anymore. Yeah, you gotta you let know? the old ones out and let the let the fresh blood come in. You know, this is also good for the economy. So uh, get new workers. Get in new there. workers in. Yeah. So I have mm-hmm. I have the retirement or the workers retirement program in in my code base. They just every time every time a new worker is born and brought into and of course it's capitalism so you're brought into the workforce the moment you're the born the just instant <laughs> instant you're born so you come in and and then in this sort of godlike fashion the the boss of all of these workers because again capitalism so bosses mm-hmm. are god right right uh, it just assigns to the worker a retirement date the moment mm. it's born it just says this is how long you get to be around. Hmm. But also, you know, this, is what, <laughs> this is what happens to judges in India, I know. That's true. Government employees in India <laughs> have a forced retirement date. Yep. Cool. Yeah, so once that, once moment that you date turn hits, 62 or something, you're done. You're, that's it. You, don't get get, you just yeah. don't get to do it anymore. Yeah, so the so then the boss is, is you know, watching these workers and it's just counting down this timer, you know. And the moment it's it's now time for a worker to to go on its merry way, mm. it then sends nice a signal and just says, hey, buddy, uh, it's time for it's just time for you to let somebody else step up to the plate. Hey, buddy, get out. Yep. But and also then, workers die sometimes. But doesn't the worker kill itself at that point? I mean, it does sort of. <laughs> well, it, 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 it first, again, it this first, is capitalism. There's nowhere for you to go once you're not part of the workforce. Mm-hmm. But it also, yeah. what right. did you say it does? It resolves its current connections. Yeah, yeah. It takes care of all this <laughs> business first. It's it nice. gets its affairs in order. Yeah, it gets its affairs in order <laughs> and then just... And then just Goes away. What a useful metaphor. So I mean, if you want it, if you want it to be more humane, you can you can also. I mean, these are also these are demons that yeah. you're summoning. Um, because the thing about demons is they never die. Mm-hmm, their physical right. form is destroyed, and their soul returns to the twisting nether, as yep. we all know. Yep. Uh, and then they can be remanifested into a new physical form. Yes. You know. So it's sort of a reincarnation. So it's not like they're they're gone forever. They're just they're know, just hanging out for a while. Yeah, they're someday. just they're reincarnated in the body of a of a younger worker. Yeah, mm-hmm. a more a more younger, more capable. Yeah, but I do want to. This is this is a, a serene. <laughs> <laughs> this is an appropriate time to say though uh, that there's this fucked up thing in computer science. I remember computer science is old, and by old I mean most of the ideas that are kind of core to it are from the 70s. Hmm. So I mean old is in like the culturally culturally in the high time of horrible gotcha. racism, right? So. There's a there's a computer science relationship between things. It could be hardware, it can be pieces of software, whatever. 
that's just called the master-slave relationship. Mm. I remember learning this when I was learning oh, yeah. how to build computers. Yeah, and they were, like, they were like, yeah, stuff. if you have two hard drives, yep. then you have to choose which one's the master and which one's the slave. Yeah. And you put a little jumper on there to determine that. I'm like, mm. yep. You can choose. This is not comfortable. Maybe a less charged Something less metaphor. <laughs> yeah, so, which is, so it's just really fucked up. Yeah, the, and the first time I saw that, I was like, I don't. I don't want to say this out loud. I don't want to say like, yeah, why not attach- the superhero and the sidekick, you know? Well, that's or why for, we? for my stuff, any, anywhere I can just choose what I call things. Mm-hmm. I just call them bosses and workers, even if it goes against the normal concept of sure. what a worker is in computer science. Cause, cause who cares? Cause who gives a shit? You should, <laughs> as long as you can understand the metaphor so that you can use the thing appropriately, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe, maybe let's not. Yeah. Literally the, <laughs> the only thing that <laughs> it needs to determine or that it needs to convey is that one, uh, one actor is making decisions and the other is not. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's right. basically yeah. it. It doesn't have to be, the metaphor doesn't have to be one of the grossest possible, possible yeah. human things <laughs> that we have ever done to each other. That is true. So you don't if, have to do that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. any, any of you out there doing computer science stuff. If Maybe you're, don't. If you're, <laughs> if you're going to teach this relationship, if you're a teacher and you're teaching this relationship to students or whatever, just acknowledge that it's real fucked up. And tell, and tell people, Hey, when you're using this stuff, cause I actually use aliases for things even too. So, so if I'm using other, other people's software or if I'm using core things of like, of, of node or whatever my program language is, they'll have functions that are just called that. It'll be like the function is slave is master or whatever. Mm. I just alias them. You're like, to, I'm not fucking with I'm this. I'm not going to use that. So I'm just like, <laughs> so that now equals is boss or right. is worker. Right. And and of course, it's still a little gross because now we're talking about capitalism and, you know, this asymmetrical mm-hmm. relationship. Now you're making, now you're making, yeah, you're saying that workers don't make decisions. Exactly. But it's way less gross. That's fair. It is. Way less you know, gross. Yeah, I wish, uh, so vector artwork has one of the weirdest metaphors, I think. They, they just, I don't even think it counts, frankly. It just seems like a random word choice because your lines become, become paths. Yeah. Right. And then steps along a path are called nodes. Mm-hmm. It seems like we should call it like stones, perhaps, if you're going to go with the path metaphor. Yeah, they kind of know. didn't take it all the way to the yeah. max. And so it just ends up being this random collection of words that actually when you first start doing vector, you're like, hey, what? <laughs> right, how did these fit together? <laughs> like you call them waypoints, you could call them stones, you call them anything like that uh, if you were going with the path metaphor, but you'd call them teleporters. Teleporters, you know, if you want. Mm-hmm. Way stations. Mm-hmm. And then they just call, if you draw a circle, and anything that has uh Anything that has properties attached to it by default that isn't a path it's an ob- is an object, right. but that is also, also called a primitive. Also called a primitive, yep. but mainly they call them objects, which is also very confusing because coming again from just a normal person's place, most things are objects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help you. It literally everything. But, but then also mm-hmm. comparing that to computer science- Object exactly. kind of means something else there too, but also, but they're actually related. You well, know? and in Game Maker, object, it, it is a programming term in Game Maker, but it means something completely different than what all other programming languages yep. mean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, words are hard. Yep. Choose your metaphor. Words are hard. Kind of important. And reading, don't be an asshole about it. So mm-hmm. I've been reading a book from 1996 called The End of Education mm-hmm. by Neil Postman, uh, who's a, whether you agree with stuff he says or not, He's an interesting fellow <laughs> who is, he's good at making his points in a pretty uh, uh, sort of sassy kind of a way. Is this uh, kind of an anti-fragile yeah, situation? Is he, is he no, like it's, it's, not a, it's not an ego, ego thing. I think it's just- uh, He just doesn't give a shit anymore. He's kind of like, just yeah, tell he, how he's, it is. Yeah, he's got, he's got, some, he's got some good, uh, he's got some valid opinions and some, some interesting points. And he's also not afraid to kind of address uh, topics that people are generally- less willing mm. to talk about, mm. but he's very sort of 
colloquial and, you know, you can tell like his intentions are not bad or anything. Right. So, uh, so even if you're like, I don't necessarily agree, but okay, you get sure. a pass. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, but yeah, he, he had this interesting uh, uh, phrase where he was talking about the power of language and how, so the point of this book of, of the book, the end of education is he's just kind of exploring what the sort of, what is the purpose of education and why do people learn and stuff? Um, and he was addressing questions about why do people not really care about, about language? You know, you'll often see the, the people make, make the comment like, well, I'm not, I don't, I don't use proper grammar on the internet because who cares? Cause it's just the internet. Right. right. As if somehow they know how to use proper and as grammar if and somehow will do. that's an explanation right. as if somehow that means something. Um, but he said, you know, one of his teachers said when he was in fifth grade that, that language is a gift from God and it separates us from everything else. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's the thing that makes us human. Um, and so he was kind of exploring what that means and brought up the interesting point that, that we create language, basically humans create tools and the tools that we create shape us in return, mm -hmm. right? So by using a tool, it changes the way we think about the world. And language is, a, is a, just a tool for communication. Mm -hmm. And so the words that you choose to use for things will completely change your perspective and framing about what those things are and what they mean and how you should feel about them, right? right. So if you do find incredibly gross language uh, yeah. sprinkled throughout your speech, <laughs> maybe don't maybe just, maybe just <laughs> or if you find a place where you have a super confusing metaphor that's not assisting your actual understanding of something i mean we've we've had this with with projects where uh there's there was one i think it was when we were working on rumpus stuff um, yeah we've had a few major rename overalls. yeah where we had to come up the sack concept yes uh, oh, yeah basically had to come up with what is a good metaphor for a thing that you can just put anything into and get anything out of yep and maybe destroy it it's not like super valuable but, you know, kind of just yeah. Yeah, a grab bag. Because rumpus is essentially, it's just a very robust storage mechanism. That's yeah. like, that's kind of at the core of it. Um, which that rumpus is our web backend. Well, it's, um, it, it's that plus a uh, permissions and access. Right. Those, those are sort of the two components right. of it. And so one of the, one of the core storage components we have is something called a crate, which is a very well-defined. It used to be called a container. Yes. Which is a little too vague. Which was too vague and also confusing because I use everything in Docker and Docker right. also uses so again, containers. Language, right? Yeah. Yep. So a crate implies it's very solid. It has a predefined shape, you mm -hmm. know, so it's, it just is what it is. Um, and it also implies that there may be some level of sort of restrictive access to it because mm -hmm. you can't just open any crate. Like sometimes you need a crowbar, like you need mm -hmm. some yeah. way to get into it. Might have, might have a padlock, padlock on it, yeah. Yeah, but also it might just be open. Who knows? Yeah. So, so for example, in Levelhead, uh, which is the game that we're currently working on, when we store players levels online, we use this crate system. So basically you publish a level and that level goes into a crate that has a certain access level that yeah, says. So it basically says anybody who is a Rumpus user can download this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a, sort of a publicly accessible crate. Mm -hmm. Yep. But interestingly, it also has permissions on the other end where you put something in there and you can never touch it again. Mm -hmm. You yep. can only it's download way. it. You can put stuff in there, right? So, so that makes sense to use the term crate for that. And then when it came to stuff like, what about storing somebody's high score on any given level? Well, somebody might play a thousand levels. Yep. And they may, they may set a high score and then not look at that high score again for six months. And then set it again. And then set it again, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's this sort of infrequently updated information that is mostly irrelevant. So think about- And you only need to fetch one of them. So you don't, you're not getting a box of crap, you know? Yeah. You're not getting a crate full of stuff. You're so, just getting like a, a single thing. Yeah. And I think it's kind of similar to somebody who sent out a tweet three years ago, you know? 
That tweet is very old. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not relevant. And that and that person and probably no other people are going to look at that tweet for a long time, sure. right? Uh, so it's it's just, so what was the term we're using? Junk. Yeah. It's junk, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's piles of junk. It's piles of junk. Yep, because the pile kind of loosely describes what's in there, but very loosely because it's just a pile. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't worry about that too much. And yeah. anything you put in there just goes on top of the pile. Yeah, it just goes in the pile. <laughs> like you so can, the longer you know, something's been in the pile, the further down it is. Yeah, right. And if you know exactly what you're looking for, it's actually not too hard to get it out of the pile because you just kind of flip through there until you mm-hmm. find something that looks exactly like what you want. But if you don't know what you're looking for, then you, you, you're not going to find something. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you got you to gotta go in there looking for a specific thing. But also right. just like <laughs> junk piles... You know, it should be those should be tidied up every once in a while. You know, yeah. if you got if you got junk in there that's really old, you should throw. You don't it away. want too much junk yeah. in yeah. your so, metaphorical trunk. Yeah. Right? So yeah. the junk pile can it, it has self killing junk. Yeah. So, so you can just be like, this junk gets to live for a week. Yeah. Any junk that's in this pile that's a week old, get it out of here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's keep keep the pile small. Yeah. Right? But yeah. But we but we've struggled over over the way to name this thing mm-hmm. so that the metaphor of the naming would match the functionality in a clear enough way that when that when, say, Seth or Sam were sitting down to think about some design concept in Levelhead and said, okay, how how could we implement this with the tools we have? Because I don't want to have to build, every time they have an idea, I'm not going to build a new, entirely new system for Rumpus because mm-hmm. that takes me weeks to do. Yeah. Um, and they have ideas every second, right? That's true. <laughs> so so That's I need true. I need to be able, be able to make something generic that, that has a metaphorically clear enough terminology that they can then just go use the thing mm-hmm. and just be like, okay, I can see how this fits, how this, how what I want to do either does or can be made to fit inside mm-hmm. of the functionality that we have. Yeah. It right reduces here. a lot of design overhead, I think. In a that, lot. In that yeah. It actually sort of opens up opportunities because then you say, hell, could we use a crate for this? We, yeah, yeah. Should, well, should I put this in a crate or is this more of a junk? More thing? of a piece of junk. I yeah. Think. yeah. <laughs> or should this go into a ledger? Cause that's another, mm-hmm. that's another thing. System, system, yeah. which, which again, it's, and they're all designed to, to meet sort of, General, but also sort of constrained kinds of needs, mm-hmm. different use cases. Actually, yeah. in the case of in the case of Levelhead and this idea of metaphors, so we we did a huge pass on the the UI this week. So the game actually looks like it's done, which is it's pretty all it's looking. <laughs> it looks it's pretty, looking pretty sharp. Uh, and we did this in the last week because up, up until this point, of course, we've been building a bunch of systems and also you know getting content in there. And then before GDC, we wanted to have a build that actually looks good. And the problem is that if your UI looks like garbage. All the UI was placeholder. Yeah. yeah. All of it. Placeholder is, is, is in Seth's like 30 second pixel art using Game Maker. Either I used pixel art or I just draw rectangles using code. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I got in there and knocked around and, and then uh, Seth implemented everything. And the game, basically one of the things we talked about was we don't want the levels to feel just like a line. Like a line item in a big scrollable list, right? Yeah. Every because level should feel special. It should feel worth exploring. Yeah, and it, it should have a level of physicality to it because, you know, you take a lot of, it's not like a tweet where you might like take 30 seconds to write this thing. You're probably going to spend like somewhere between 15 and 45 minutes to an hour building a level, you know, and testing it and have fun with it. And then you had to put it up. And so if we take all that energy you put into it and then just give you a shitty looking line of text. Yeah, what a bummer, kind of is a bummer, right? Yeah. So what we decided to do was actually, uh, again, give the cards a level of, or give the levels a degree of physicality. So nice. I saw that word strong. <laughs> yeah, so again, words. <laughs> so to do that, uh, to do that, what we've done is actually sort of package them up into what looks like a little card, almost like a cartridge thing. And so when you publish your level, instead of just hitting like, you know, publish, which who even knows what the fuck that means, um, you hit ship it. Because again, this is a Bureau of Shipping game. It's mm-hmm. about this sort of tying it into the narrative overall. Uh, and you're going to ship your level and then it'll kind of smash together all the pieces into this cool looking physical card, ship it off to the community. 
Uh, and then when you go look at the community pages, you actually see these rows, these essentially these big stacks of all these different cards on them. I had an idea hmm. of this, of the animation for when you ship your level is we'll, we'll summon the card onto the screen. I will quickly take inventory of all the different things in the level. Oh yeah. And then they're going to fucking swirl around like a tornado. <laughs> yeah. So all the different blocks and, and enemies and stuff, in and they'll just swirl in and then they'll suck into the, goes, into the level. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Gonna be so, and it's not in there yet, but we, you know, yeah, cause I just will. thought of it right now. So. <laughs> uh, so that, but that's one of those juice pieces that in, in the case of building a product, building a, uh, building a game, you know, we want the game to have a particular feel to it. And also we want people to care about their levels. And if you, if you do things that is as a designer, whether it's the word choice you use or the way you lay out the UI that makes it so that it feels like this isn't actually important to someone or like it doesn't have any heft, then people aren't going to value it. Yeah, and I think there's one other thing that we probably should do Mm. is each level should be kind of like a Tamagotchi pet, you know, and you have to clean up its poop, otherwise (laughs) it'll die. So that way we want to make sure that- Oh yeah, that way we can expire old content. Right, that way way if people stop stop caring about their levels, then we can stop caring about them. But what if they continue to feed it but don't clean up its poop? Then it'll die. Okay. Because in, in, uh, in sewage overflow. Yeah, because in Tamagotchi, if the full if the entire screen gets covered with poop, then the Tamagotchi dies. Can the can That's the whole sad. screen get covered in poop? Yeah, it basically it's like a, it's like a grid. So it just like it's it goes across in rows, I think. Uh, and then that, eventually your your Tom, that reminds your me there was Tamagotchi a game. I think is it Pixel Piracy? Is that the one? It might be something else. But there's mm-hmm. there's a game. Uh, it's a pixel graphics based game where you're basically a pirate managing a ship. And so, you, you know, you sail around and, yeah. you, and it's, it's, a, it's a management game, right? So you hire crew and this stuff. Uh, but it's, it's the kind of this weird, cute style. Um, but the, so one of the main things you have to contend with is just your your pirates poop on, just they poop on the boat, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, yeah. so all, all of your <laughs> pirates- poop? Yeah, all your pirates have a skill set. So, they, so, so some of them, you can assign them to then do things, right? So some of them are good at cleaning and you can live up their cleaning. And so you, didn't, you need enough people who can clean. And basically what they do- it's like a little poop pile suddenly appears. Like somebody mm. makes a farting noise and it appears, right? <laughs> and then, and then your uh, your cleaning characters will then run up and punt it off of the side <laughs> of the boat. But it was a hilarious. Like I played. It was. I had a lot of vote that game for a while. Uh, so cleaning is. Yeah. But but it was hilarious it's just because shit off. Of yeah, because like it, it, it became a key problem in management of your ship is making sure you had enough people cleaning that stuff up. Mm. Uh, it, yeah, it was. I don't know why that's a I common love, common thing in games. I love the out. efficiency of that though, because like on the yeah, gaming side, it. you could you could make an animation where someone goes up and like scrubs it. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> just make it way more funny just yeah. by having to punt literally the sack of well, shit. It's off. sort of like <laughs> it was like what we do with Crashlands, where all that all that flux can do is swing, mm-hmm. and uh, then we had we had stuff like a blowgun. Right, and so they, we didn't say shit. How do we animate a blowgun now that well, she we can did. swing? Or we, we, were we like, said we that can't originally, do that. Yeah. right? Well, we can't. We just don't care enough to. Right. Yeah. So we, so we still, but we still want the blowgun, and so instead, she just swings the blowgun. <laughs> swing, yeah. It's, it's as if you put a dart in the blowgun and then swung it and used the, <laughs> which would work. It would work. Yeah. If, I mean, if ass. the dart was in there, kind of loose enough. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, because the principles of a blowgun is the dart needs to form a really good seal right. for the pressure. And here it needs to not. For that. a throw gun, it needs to be a little loose yeah. in there. It's kind of like those uh, those those curved things that have a ball in them and you can flip them out. You yep. know? Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. What are those called? I don't know. No, it's called a ball flippy curly thing. Ball flippy <laughs> curly thing. For kids. Yeah. Oh, do, you have, <laughs> do, you have, do you have on your list of stuff that we are going to be at GDC when this podcast airs? Yes, we okay. will be at GDC when this podcast airs. Okay, because we met, we mentioned that a little bit and talking yeah, about- We are leaving, GDC. this is on Saturday, we're recording this, we're leaving tomorrow. Yep. We'll be in San Francisco tomorrow night, and then we will be GDCing 
for the rest of the week. Yeah. yeah. And if the plane goes down, we'll survive. That's the end of Butterscotch. Yep. No, it's Goodbye. the end of that plane, but it's the beginning of a new tale of survival <laughs> of, of us learning our new environment. And then eating other passengers, I think. That's yeah, usually stranded in the is. mountains, yeah. yep. navigating wreckage, Every using story. shards of wing mm-hmm. yep. to hunt yep. raccoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard stories. So there's, that's how it works. Yeah, we're we're going to be at GDC. Uh, Seth's got a talk on Wednesday at 11, 11. a.m. Called Designed by Chaos. I'm pretty excited about it. Just about I how, wasn't. Now I am. Yeah. <laughs> just just got a little sassier, you know? That's what you got to do. Yeah, I realized my talk was boring. It happens sometimes. You know? Yeah. So now it's not. Good. And then my talk's on Thursday, and that's about marketing. Marketing your game. Trying to sell it. And there's a few other marketing talks that I'm going to be going to beforehand, so I might make some, you know. Make some, make some edits. Last minute adjustments. <laughs> this was wrong. Um, or just, yeah, delete stuff that other people already said. Yeah, just be like, you guys saw this already. Who cares? You guys already saw this. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we will or maybe those, not. There's two different talks. So, uh, and then if, if you're in the area, then we'll just be around with our butterscotch shirts on. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, so high five us. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't pull that thing where you high five us and then try to sell us something. That's not, that's not dumb. No, that's not, not cool. Damn ad don't, companies. Whatever you're that. selling, we're not buying. Slippery. It's true. Yeah. If you are an ad company, just keep walking. Because <laughs> I don't want I don't want it. I don't want it. Especially if you just are an ad company. If you are a, a literal ad company, I they're people. Corporations are people. They might be wandering around. That's yeah. true. There's probably some listening to this podcast. You right can't now. tell. You don't know. You don't know who's a corporation <laughs> and who's a people because they're all people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yep. So that's about all we have about GDC. And also we have one more story before we get to questions. Mm-hmm. Questions. Okay. Something about a dog. Okay, so my wife went up to Iowa this weekend, along with the other wives, to go hang out and relax a little bit while we prep for GDC. That means I'm taking care of the dog, primarily. So Yogi and I have a great relationship. The dog's name is Yogi. Yeah. We hang out. <laughs> we hang out, uh, you know, do the belly scratching thing. He's all about it. He sleeps next to This is to him me. scratching your belly, I assume. Yes, of course. I mean, yeah. I, you know, he's a dog. I'm not going to scratch his belly. <laughs> that would so, be demeaning. But so uh, yesterday, so Yogi needed to go out. Around eight o'clock, so I take him out, and he's kind of a he's kind of a dick when he's outside. I'm be honest, like inside, kind of an angel, but outside for some reason he just kind of flips, you know, into this this madness mode. And so Yogi goes uh, runs out down the steps, and I'm standing at the top of the deck. So there's just a just a couple of wooden stairs, and then the backyard. And he always has to stay on the yard because there's a driveway. And then of course up the driveway is just the street. Is certain death probably death probably other dogs. So he's usually very good about just staying up there even when he gets very excited. But I heard another dog barking and it sounded like it was coming from the street. And usually my car is parked there so he wouldn't be able to see anything, but it wasn't. And so immediately flashing through my mind was like, oh shit, Yogi's going to try to sprint and like murder a dog maybe, who knows. So I'm watching him and then he does his like little prancy pounce thing where he's like, I'm going to murder you. And he kind of leaps toward the edge of the yard and I go full dog father mode and run <laughs> down the stairs and then leap off the stairs in like a graceful arc onto the driveway. Cause I'm like trying to intercept this dog and, and barrel rolled. I assume. And yes. Well, yeah. So I do some, some sick parkour. Yeah, sick probably one of mission those, impossible. Yeah. Style. One of those cool things where you do a, a series of flips really fast mm-hmm. for no they reason. Get faster, faster than you. They do one really high one where you do like three flips in a yep. row. Like Laying on the ground, like shock in the Olympics. Waves. Yeah. And then Yogi is so taken aback by my <laughs> speed that he just stops in his tracks and he's no longer barking. But the problem was that I had leapt off with such force off of the deck that I shattered the the fucking stair banister on the deck. (laughs) 
I just broke it in half because I used it as like a this push because, off point. Because <laughs> right, I was assuming cause, this is because you did that move where you kind of like you, you kind of crouch power. down and then you explode up and it sends a shock. Well, the, that's the thing. Right. Afterward, I realized like this is what the this is what happens in your movies or anime situations. Yeah, right? it's sort of a one punch man. Right, because when you leave a place, you leave a mark on it. Yeah. you know, and then it was by I, destroying by the destroying place. it with the force of your leap. So, yeah. so yeah, I just like just karate chopped the uh, stair banister thing in half. Nice. Was, and then Yogi was just standing there when I was like, that's what this for. <laughs> that's those, those dad reflexes people are always talking yep. about. I'm glad I'm working on it. <laughs> but speaking of banisters, I've always wondered because it seems like banisters and houses are always, they're to keep you from dying, right? That's yes. the purpose. And yet somehow they always seem to be the sh- most shittily constructed part of an entire usually house. usually very wobbly. Yeah. And people get their heads stuck in them a lot. <laughs> and by people, you mean children. Yes. And adults who don't have enough butter available yeah. to lube up their well, drunk ears. Adults. Drunk adults. <laughs> drunk adults and children, which are the same thing. Yes. That's very yeah. Yeah, Behaviorally, right. yes. Yeah. Uh, size-wise, I think they both have equally sized heads. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Because yeah. children are just heads. They're heads with, with tiny limbs poking out legs. of the bottom. <laughs> Gross. Very, <laughs> children, children are disgusting, which, again, is why we don't want them listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get out of here. Uh, all right, so let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, you can head on over there and slap it in the text box. First question comes from Chalosis. Hello, brothers. Yeah. Hey. So. Do you all still have studio jam days every week? Our studio is doing a Thursday mega bug crush mm. inspired by y'all. Mega bug crush, I like it. And I wonder how that's going. Yeah, well, so, because we do the four-day thing, work day, yeah. work week, I mean. Um, and the interesting thing I think about where we've gotten to now is everyone just kind of works however enough. long they want. <laughs> which, like, <laughs> this, week, right. this week was a lot, basically. So yeah. almost every day this week was very close to a full-on jam day. It was like a nine to seven or nine to... Yeah, yeah about. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just, you know, in four days, you, you do, a, like, a full, legit... 40 hour work week easily and then the other three days you also put in some time in the case of running up to like GDC or some of these other things um, so as far as we don't actually do a a solid like declared day anymore it just is a case that sometimes you know Adam will come in and be like hey I got nothing going on tonight and anybody else want to jam mm-hmm. and then someone else will be like yeah mm-hmm. and then now they're jamming now it's jam day yep mm-hmm. so and we, it's yeah, we do fluid. some weekends yeah um, but not not in a very defined it's, it's the same kind of a deal somebody would say I feel like we should jam this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then whoever can just jumps on board. Right. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it'll be a Saturday. Maybe it'll be the whole weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, a lot of it comes down to if somebody's really sort of banging their head against a specific problem, they're just like, I just need a day to just kill this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then they'll pick a they'll pick a day and just do a jam day on that thing. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think otherwise we've we've really just tried to to walk back all of our uh attempts to sort of Clearly delineating, you know, a jam day versus a regular work day versus a non-work day versus whatever. We've kind of just removed, just we just removed all that stuff and gone back to working the way that we like to, which is we just work. Mm-hmm. And then if we need to go do something else, we, we just do mm-hmm. that. Like, so, yeah. Well, the other nice thing, and the thing is, this, it really depends on your team composition, right? Because yeah. it's only possible to not have an actual structure in place for it and still have jam days if your whole team functions in the same way. Yeah, and if everybody loves jam days. Yeah. So, so nowadays it's very easy because all which of, of course they do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. they're great. Everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, we just, you know, randomly pick a day essentially sometimes and then go from there. Yeah. And and I will say it's been the, the Thursday jam day was kind of fun and interesting. So we did that for mm-hmm. quite a while, you know, six months or so. I think. Yeah. Um, it worked pretty well. It seemed like. Yeah. It, and it, but it had an interesting consequence, which is that it sort of, it caused a kind of a cascading structure to the whole work week so that our behavior at any given day was kind of reflective of the fact that Thursday was a jam day, you know, mm. um, which I actually, it, it worked out fine. And I mean, and that kind of a structure has, has its uses, but, but I think I prefer the style that we're back to right now, where just, if you're working on a hard problem, you just want to keep doing it. Yeah. Well, the, you know? the problem, so, well, the problem with a structure is that if it doesn't have any ad- adaptive qualities, yeah. what you're if it doesn't match the work you're doing. Exactly. Then Cause sometimes like you, it's sometimes you actually have kind of an easier week. You know, where you're just like, yeah, I just you know, built a bunch of levels, kind of did a bunch of art, but nothing, we got nothing going on. Yeah. So, you know, I did more making extracurricular, making good progress yeah, or, or, or maybe the flip side happens and, mm-hmm. and on, on jam day, maybe you wake up and you just feel like shit. Yeah. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right. So now, you know, but you want to come in because it is jam day. Right. You know, you want to participate. And if you don't come in, now you've lost more than just a day. You've lost a jam you've day. You've lost you know? a jam day, which is a magic a third day, of the week. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it, and it, it also, it also weirdly implies that no other days are jam days. Yeah. I think, right? that, I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I think by imposing structure on, on that, you do kind of. You put too much of a, of a cap right. on But it. you need structure if you have a larger organization is the thing. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise you can't, it's very hard to sync up like, you know, six to 10 people's schedules arbitrarily. Yeah. Be like, oh yeah, Monday. Oh yeah, I'm going to jam today. Everybody else going to jam? Yeah. Like that never happens. You know, you can't, right. you don't have to, just too many cooks in the kitchen for that type yeah. of thing. Right. So it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on how big your team is. It really I does. Know. And well, I think, and more than anything, it depends on who your people are. Because mm-hmm. if people love jamming, it doesn't matter. You can get away with a looser schedule where people can just work as they need to. And, and you can know that there, there's still, there, there hasn't been a day, but like, since I can remember where I didn't put in 10 hours, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just, that's just what my work day is. And so, so nobody on the team would begrudge me if I just like took a day and was, and just said, you know, I just can't today. I'm just going to not you know? for a moment. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> else, everybody else might be jamming the whole, that whole, cause they might've all collectively decided, you know what, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm doing a jam day today. And I can just say, I just... Well, the, and this, know, this last week is a good example of that. Like we were on the, we were on the march to get we were, this damn we thing were on fire. together. It and was so, a fucking great work week. Yeah. And so yesterday, who said it? What day is today? Saturday. Saturday. Today's yeah. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, you don't even know. But yeah. So yesterday, Friday, um, when I woke up, I got a bunch of work done by 11 uh, or actually by like noon or so. And then I had a few other things on my list, but like, it took a long time to kind of get through them. And by about five o'clock, I was like, I am tired <laughs> and I've slept a full eight hours of, like I've slept well every single night but I'm just kind of bumping up against the wall yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well this is yeah this is this is kind of that effect of crunch right yeah. where uh so we you know we don't do crunch because we don't have deadlines but every now and then we have events that do have a specific date mm-hmm. like GDC where we do need to get things finalized and prepared right. um and so at that point you know that that week leading up to it is usually pretty intense so when I say we don't do crunch the normal crunch method is months if not more than that it's of, also working constantly yeah which is not quiet. and so we're still we're still getting yeah. plenty of sleep we're still leaving the office yeah. we're still going to the gym hanging out know, with your family all that stuff. Also, yeah. um so you know we don't do anything quite as as crazy so uh all right so next question comes from anonymous what sort of data structures do you guys use for level head collision checking uh, mm-hmm. do you use different structures depending on if the object is static or movable 
Uh, do you preload the level into RAM or do you read it off the hard drive as the player moves into different sections? How much of this can we do without getting real? Yeah, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer most of this because it's <laughs> too technical for a podcast. But I do think um, it's worth noting that uh, it's it's good to have multiple different styles of checking for things colliding, depending on sort of whether, whether just, they're moving or not. Yeah, but also we should just step back and even just what what does even any of this mean? Yeah. So in, in a game, all of the interesting stuff happens when things bump into each other, just like in real life. Just man. like in real life. <laughs> So that's a collision. Uh, <laughs> what happens when two ideas collide? How yeah, do you brainstorming? Exactly. How yeah. do you resolve their positional conflicts? Yeah. So, know? for example, yeah. you need to be able to stand on the ground. You need mm-hmm. to be able to jump on an enemy or pick up a coin. You know, all that stuff. Sometimes you're like maybe two people. When two people love, love each, each other, other, they collide. They and you resolve that conflict them, with a child. Yeah. One of them jumps on each other's head. Um, <laughs> I think that it's how it works. First one turns, they kind of flash white for a moment mm-hmm. and then they go, and then they flip and then they fly off screen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what happens. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's very complicated actually. Yeah. It's one of those funny things I, I've, I've basically made by myself, I think two games in my life and by, by myself, I mean with guidance from Seth mm-hmm. and, and I still remember that he, he had warned me ahead of time, both times it's, it's going to be surprisingly difficult just to get a thing to stand on, to the, stand ground. on the ground. <laughs> and, uh, which, of course, you know, I've programmed enough that I'm, you know, I'm thinking through how that would work and I believe. But even still, when I went to go do it, Jesus, that was <laughs> it was so crazy. Yeah, it's that's silly. those things you really take for granted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it was even, st- um, for me, I'll just, so inst- instead of tackling all these technical things, I'll just talk about one very interesting uh, problem that, that I solved recently in Level Head, which was, which was the problem of of bumping your head on things. Mm-hmm. Well, so we should back up because most of what makes a game fun, especially a platformer, is actually the game doing not what it should actually do based on, you know, where the object's located, but what you as a player think that it should have done. Yes. Which yeah. means that if you try to jump upward through like a narrow passageway, and you, you should like, just be able to do and that. And you're close enough, you feel like, nah, I should just get through there. Like, just let me go. Yeah. Now, the problem and is, the game will let you do yeah, it. problem is if you are a perfect square, and the passageway is a perfect square your that, corners that are is exactly your size, yeah. then you need to be a fucking surgical sniper mm-hmm. to be able to jump through that gap. That is someone who shoots constructively scalpels. the organs off of people's body. I yeah. Think. With scalpel. Yeah. Yeah. Like With a scalpel appendix. gun. Mm-hmm. So yep. if somebody's appendix is bursting, you're 300 yards away. <laughs> you can't get there at the time. Wind, <laughs> the wind's blowing from the east. The so you just shoot it knots. right out of their body. Yep. Yeah. So you put a scalpel in, into your just surgery gun. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And so, so for example, in, in level head, when you are jumping upwards, your when you're checking for whether you're going to be bumping your head on something, that check is only like three pixels wide. It's just even like, though it's like the very top most dome of your, of your cranium. Yeah, yeah. Even though you're, even though your character is actually about 70 pixels wide. And then if you, if you jump up, and you end up sort of inside of the wall, then we just kind of gently push you out of the wall <laughs> mm-hmm. while you do that, right? And so you'll you'll see this, and there's all these kinds of, I call them forgiveness mechanics. I don't know if they actually have a- They're a really name. just lies. They're just lies. <laughs> so it's, it's also stuff like when you're running and you won't need to jump off of a ledge, logically, you would say the person can only jump when they're on the ground mm-hmm. because that's how the world works, right? Problem is people's reaction time is about a tenth of a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people will hit the button a tenth of a second 
after their feet leave the edge of the cliff. And then they'll be like, this game isn't responsive. Yep. Right. And it's like, I no, died. they're like, you know, it's perfectly responsive. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so instead, the game needs to, uh, needs to sort of give you a, a, a 0.1 second grace period where even though you're floating over the void, you can still jump. It's a Wile E. Coyote style, like mm-hmm. yeah. cartoons. You know? And the same thing for if you're falling, people, people will hit the jump button a tenth of a second before they touch the ground. And then they'll be like, what the fuck? I pushed the jump button and I didn't jump. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, because you, you weren't on the ground, right? So instead, you have to sort of, you have to forecast where they're going to be. And when they hit the jump button, you got to say, would they have hit the ground <laughs> in, a, a, in, a, in, a, in a very brief time span? <laughs> and if so, then just let them do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's all these kinds of dumb things that you have to do <laughs> to get the game right. actually to be fun and, and playable. Uh, and it goes way beyond just saying jump when you're on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as these collision structures go, then you use you use a big, there's a suite of them. Yeah, there's a whole, basically, yeah, the player, all these different things collide in a bunch of different ways depending on what they are, whether they're moving. Um, whether they're solid from one direction and not solid from the other. Yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the interesting one is just that whole being able to jump up through a platform and land on it. Yeah. Yep. And there are no tutorials out there that actually do this in a, satisfactory way. Um, usually what they'll do is they'll just say, if the players below a platform, that play- platform is not solid. And if the player is above that platform, it becomes solid. That's that's fine as long as you want literally nothing else to interact with that platform. So what if right? an enemy walks on a on a platform that's above you? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now it's going to fall on top of so you. What, so what that really <laughs> means is that for every single thing that can move, some things are solid for that thing and some things are not solid mm-hmm. for that thing, right? Yep. So everything has its own perspective. But how the world works. Just like life. Just like life. Yeah. Uh, so I guess if, I it guess like long a, story short. Like a good technical blog post article at some point. More like a book. Yeah. <laughs> because honestly, I've had to solve all these fucking problems by myself <laughs> because every tutorial I see out there does absolutely nothing mm-hmm. to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. They, they, they just barely touch on making it look like what something like Mario would do or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually try to put it into real world use cases for like, oh, I want an enemy to run on this platform. Well, you're below the platform. So now it's not solid. Mm-hmm. Now the enemy falls on your head. Right. Um, so none of these none of these questions are answered anywhere online. I may be wrong, but I haven't found it. Cool. So I'll write a book. It might just be hard. To, maybe maybe the answers have bad search engine optimization. Could be. Sad you know, or maybe my yeah. questions are bad. Well, that is, that is, that is the thing with, uh, with technical questions or, or these kinds of questions where you're trying to describe a, th- a thing you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Being able to search for those is sometimes basically, there's something I discovered with, uh, yeah. with Amazon web services, which is our, our hosting cloud provider for all of our web stuff. Um, is they have so many services. It is outrageous how many services they have and they're really complicated because you can do just so many things. So their documentation, there's a lot of it. Like, stupid, stupid amount mm-hmm. of it. Um, it's like, I, it's like encyclopedia. It's like a book. Quantity, it's, like a, like, it's actually, it's like a series of books. Right. right? Uh, and so, so now let's say you want to know like, okay, how do I do this very specific thing that I've never done before? I don't know the terminology for it. I just know what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Now you got to compose a search term that doesn't use any of the words that would be required to find the answer. Cause you don't know the you answer. Don't know them. Yeah. You can't, you can't find what you're looking for, but it is there. Yeah. Now, if there was exactly. a book out there called, how to program a platformer mm-hmm. and it there just go. answered yeah. all these questions. So, which, which the, does bring me to an interesting but that's point. A, that's a problem though, because that book is the same as the documentation. So if you're trying to look for a particular aspect of how to make a platformer, you got to read the whole book first. 
Because you that's don't know how to search for that's it. That's just yet. book sales. But it will have, have it will have chapters that you might be able to. No, no, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. Because this, this is also how like AWS documentation works, right? It's like I know where in the giant thing it roughly my thing should be, you know, and I can go in there and I can dig for it. But it's really hard to find. It's true. Anything, and I'm not. I'm sure as hell not going to read the entire <laughs> documentation to find the one answer to a question that I have. So it's kind of like digging in a junk pile. That's exactly what <laughs> you don't like. know what you're looking for. Yeah, so you can't find, you you can't find, find it. it. Yep. Yep. Which is all to say, my bet is my bet is that little bit, bit bits and pieces of the problems that you're solving have probably been talked about a little bit by somebody somewhere. But it's this intersection of that person being able to write it well enough that you can understand it. That the problem being similar enough that their solution also applies to your thing and that you can find it in the first place using the search terms that you used. To search for it. So by so all that, accounts, that's a tiny. It might as well not exist. It might as well not exist. Exactly. So, so I guess you better write this book. I better. I guess I got to write a book now. God damn it! All right. Next question comes from Woland seventy seven. What is a big gaming related misconception which you have had disabused? How did that realization change your work? What does disabused mean? Mm. Does that mean this is not abused? Removed. removed? They, I'm assuming removed in context. In the context. I, that's, yeah. a, that's an infrequently seen word. Mm, I think for me, so we, had, we had this understanding of, we came to this understanding of how, how games work via loop systems. And Seth has a whole talk about this, which is on our YouTube channel, uh, called Loops and Rockets, which yeah. is just sort of taking all these design principles that we use in-house and, and pulling them out for everybody to see. Now, the thing that I find interesting is that when uh, shortly after we came across that idea, we largely most of our jam games and stuff were extremely loop heavy. And then I played something like Super Meat Boy or just some other game. That yeah, and by loop, you mean you, you do a thing that gives you some sort of a reward yes. in effect. Yeah, yeah. So essentially it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's akin to, you know, you kill a monster, the monster drops a better weapon, which allows you to kill a new monster. And then you're on this loop. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a power loop. Yeah. And you're stuck there. Uh, so in the case of, of other games, there are some games that actually mechanically, the mechanic itself is just so fun to play with. As, as just a toy, that it doesn't require any loops whatsoever. Well, that's for, a, that is a skill loop, which I do address well, in my talk. Well, moderately. I mean, <laughs> I mean things like uh, things like gang beasts, right? Yes. So there's barely skill involved because you can only kind of get better at that game. Um, and it's just really fun to go sort of knock around in. And mm-hmm. there are other games that are either so pretty or that are so juicy, like the way they handle just sort of the overall gameplay. Or is, just have so much personality. Yes, or have so much sass to them. We're talking about... Uh, uh, Behemoth game Pit People last week. So there's plenty of games that that they have this entire extra element that makes it so the need to actually have those loops in place or to have them be extremely strong is is either dampened or completely removed. And so I think part of it, as far as this game design journey goes, is is just recognizing the different elements that we could bring in to to our games. And then anytime we choose not to bring one of those in, so narrative, for example, um, or juice, or whatever else, that we are definitely leaving an aspect of the whole thing on the table. Like we're just saying, you know, we're not going to do that. And sometimes it heightens the other things by not having it. And sometimes it actually is just something that ends up on the cutting room floor because of time constraints or whatever else. So, um, so I've landed kind of in a, I was going to talk about loops as well, mm-hmm. but from a different angle, which is, I still believe that a lot of the games that you talk about as being compelling, but not having loops are, are games that I've picked up and then put down shortly after. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, largely because I yeah. had no reason to come back. Right. So something like gang beast, like it's fun in the moment, but I also don't care yeah, about okay. it. <laughs> uh, it's more like a party game. Right. Mm-hmm. So same thing like maybe Jack in the box, right. not yeah. Jack in the box, Jack, yeah. box. Jack box, Jack box, Jack box. 
Jack Buck. Yep. Jack in the Box is a fast food restaurant. It is a fast food restaurant. Yes. Yeah, which actually has negative loops. It'd be awesome if it did the have more loops. more you eat, the shittier you feel. If you had to come through the drive-thru like 10 times before you could get like a double, you know, cheeseburger. Which they do with punch cards They stuff, do that. Yeah. But the problem is you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't feed back in on itself, right? So True. So if if I get a if I get a double punch card and then a triple punch card, mm-hmm. I can't get a three times the size sandwich, you know what I mean? Which would be amazing. That would count for three punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't get to unlock access to epic sandwiches <laughs> <at somewhere. laughs> Sounds like a business model. Sounds it like it. it yeah, that's that's what we would call gamification of the fast food industry. That's right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so fast I mean, casual game. I mean, my realization <laughs> of my big my big thing was I thought that that games were magical and that each one was very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more time I spend studying them, the more I realize they all are just ex- different expressions of the same fundamental concept, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, they're in the same way that stories are exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, once you, like once you read, like if you ever go to the website TV Tropes. Just go there and just, just, just surf it, just browse around and you'll realize, oh my God, nothing is unique. Like everything is just an expression of these same core ideas, just kind of rearranged and mixed up. I mean, and like, I was thinking about when an infinity war comes out, Avengers infinity war. I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to just watch all the Marvel movies, like, like watch them all back to back. Mm-hmm. I think there's 18 or 19 of them, you know, yeah. so you have to like, there might be 20. You would need a, you need like a three day weekend to watch through all these movies. Cause they're two to three hours long. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to do it, I could, we could do it. That. But, I would be down. But awesome. I realized that's just watching the same movie over and over again. <laughs> but, the, but that doesn't, but you think that doesn't make it any worse. Well, no, no, I'm not saying you know it's I mean? bad or good. Yeah. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's something that I, I think I held games in a much, in just a different regard before I started working on them. And the more I got down to the nuts and bolts, the more I'm like, nah, nuts and bolts. Yeah. And not only that, but like, once you understand what that is, then the, then the challenge and something we always talk about is that making games is the easiest part of, of being a game developer. Cause once you, once you really get those fundamentals, then you can make a game about being an elevator Mm -hmm. and it's still still fun. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So the challenge of making a fun game just kind of goes away once you get that. That's that's about it for me. Yeah, but you, Adam, I can't even think of any. Adam has his he's what about web tech? Just he's question, so skeptical of his own ideas that he's never even had conceptions, let alone misconceptions. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is well, yeah. But it's, it's actually that I, I don't I don't I don't add any uh, weight to my conceptions, so that when they are identified as a misconception, it's not a I noteworthy go, event. Huh, and then move on with my life. Uh, well, what about the website of things? Same question, but with the, the website. Web. So what things, <laughs> what things did you think were happening on the web that now that you've sort the web, of gotten So the there? web, actually, I, the more I've learned about how the web works and how to, how to deploy and make, you know, web technology, uh, I just, I actually fucking love it. I hated it when I started because I started with, you know, PHP and MySQL, the kind of the core components of the internet, which are just not fun. They're just not fun to program in. Um, and the problems that I was solving also weren't fun because I didn't know enough to solve fun, interesting problems yet. I was trying to just kind of get stuff working. Um, and so, so when I started web program, I did it because I, we needed it and I didn't like it. I just felt like I, it, it felt like this very loosey goosey, uh, kind of in the same way that science, like science sees biology. Cause you know, that's what mm-hmm. my PhD is in, right? It's seen as a soft science, right? 
in the sense that all those little bacteria and stuff. <laughs> well, squishy, in the sense that unlike physics, where you just you just you know you put some symbols down and then that's how the world works. Right? I did physics, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is different from biology, where you're doing and we we call it you know we call it bench work. We call it wet you know wet work. Wet, work. wet lab. Well, not wet work because I guess it's murder, but yeah, but we. we I mean, there is a but lot the, of murder in biology. Experience. There is a lot. Of, I, I have murdered many creatures in my day. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, mostly yeast, though, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> millions lots of probably yeast. not fine to them. Lots and lots of yeast. Just another um, worker situation, Adam. But uh, but but this kind of idea of like there's like hard science and then there's soft science. Um, I kind of carried that that same model in my mind from from programming because I was you know I was doing programming uh, for science, so I was doing all these you know big data analysis things and. And constructing pipelines that would make uh, microscopes behave robotically to collect all my data and then be, you know, automatically piped through some processing. All the statistics is being done to it. It's just all this stuff that, to me, taught me that biology, there's nothing about biology that makes it a soft side, you know, soft, right? Mm-hmm. The way that people describe it. And there's actually a whole bunch of really interesting, very, very analytical, complicated meat there that puts it right into the domain of something like physics. Mm-hmm. Uh but despite kind of learning that as I went, I kind of came into web development and saw it the same way. Because, you know, people actually, a lot programmers often uh, will look down on web development as kind of like this. It's the thing that, that people just play with, you know, and, they, and it's, you can get away with a lot because the programming languages you use. Because like, because browsers, browsers process HTML or the language of a, of a document really sloppily on purpose because they know people are going to fuck it up. Right. Right. It's, it's this very democratized, like. Everybody can go throw their hat in the ring, kind of a thing. Yeah, pro- programmers with a capital P. Yeah, can be very. They have strong opinions about things. <laughs> Snobbish. Well, it's it's just that the more sloppy a thing is allowed to be, then the more it's looked down upon as like this kind of soft. Same you know, thing, thing with game maker. Same thing with yeah. game maker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so when I when I came in, I I still I had some of those ideas in my brain because I've been trying to learn computer science, you know, by by being around computer scientists and people who, who studied that kind of stuff in that way. And they had very strong opinions about these things. And so, so I carried those with me to, uh, to web, web development. And while I was doing, especially the first year and a half of it, when I developed Bscotch ID, again, all with PHP and my sequel, I was just, I was just like raw hand coding everything because I didn't know enough to do it any other way. Uh, and it felt like that. It felt soft and sloppy and just bad, right? But that's because of you. But that's that was my problem. Exactly. <laughs> I was you soft. Did that. I was soft, yeah. sloppy, and bad in the same way that that you can be that in any other discipline. Um, but that doesn't mean that the discipline itself is soft, sloppy, and bad. It just means it has some wiggle room. Yeah, so it lets exactly. You ease into it. Right. And, and people, and again, I, I read all these disparaging things about JavaScript in particular because. What a weird thing to disparage. Right. Just back up. The, 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 almost everything is a weird thing to disparage. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. But, but if you, if you, uh, if you ever are on Reddit, you know, God help you. If you're ever on Reddit and you're looking at like the R slash programming subreddit, uh, if you ever see JavaScript mentioned, it's only disparagingly. Hmm. Um, and it's kind of a joke. It's kind of, everybody treats it as this kind of joke language. Well, of uh, note, if you're ever on any subreddit. You should get off. You're, and you've made a mistake. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, uh, but the, your life has taken a wrong the, turn somewhere. That's true. But the point being that that sort of all of these things that I was doing were seen as these soft things, and I saw them as these soft things. Uh, but then after dig, like just truly digging into it and embracing them for what they were, you know, so so specifically looking for resources and books and people who talked about using things at, to do the things that they're good at, that they were designed for, and also explaining just how they work. Revealed that basically, no, like these things are very cleverly designed. They, the reason that they do things the way they do 
know, there's some weird legacy bullshit, of course, too, right? But but for the most part, they do things in a very clever, well-designed way done by very smart people. And so mm-hmm. if you're using JavaScript the, the way it was meant to be used, it's fucking amazing. It's I, I There's nothing I have more fun with than programming in JavaScript on my day to day, despite the fact that this is the language everybody looks down upon and <laughs> disparages, right? Uh, it's, it's super fun when you embrace it for what it is supposed to be, what it was designed for. Uh, and, and so now, so, you know, I went from seeing this discipline of web development as this like sloppy convoluted thing because of the technology stack, cause you have to know 10 different languages to do anything. And, uh, and now I see it as this incredibly robust, um, very technical, uh, sort of ecosystem of things. It's just, it's just different than I thought programming was. Hmm. Um, but not in a way that makes it like soft, or, or inferior, or somehow in some inferior. Way. It's yeah. just, it's just a, it's just a different kind of thing that, I, and I didn't really think that programming was, was like this with all this really asynchronous stuff where you mostly don't get to trust things anymore. Because you know, right. basically, the programming that I sort of trained myself in was the stuff where you just, you got a pipeline, you pass data through it, and if you, things and don't work, you pass the data, and through, you pass the data so through you it, so you know what's coming in, right? You know what's coming in, you know what's coming out. If, if something is broken, that's definitely your fault because you coded right. something wrong. Versus web programming, where if something's broken, that could be a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> you know, somebody hacked it. Somebody, somebody sent yeah. a semicolon, and yeah. you forgot yep. to clean it Just out. Anything can happen, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So, so it has this kind of cool, fun, wild west vibe. It's got I don't know. It ended up being kind of everything that I that I could want without knowing that that's what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I, so. I will also say that that. I postponed my game development career for years because I was listening to programmers. Yeah. With a capital P, right? Yep. I, took, I took computer science, got a D in it. Um, everything about programming in general seemed incredibly opaque and very hard to understand. And I literally just gave up. Yeah. Then I got Game Maker and I was like, oh, wait, this is actually not that hard. Yeah. You just need to put the time in. So, yeah. Well, and you can get, I mean, and, and, Cause, well, because all these programmers kept telling me if I want to make games, I need to use C. <laughs> right. Which is the worst fucking advice. It's, it's still, I mean, Speaking from the art side of things, like every class I took, they're like, all right, you're going to need this sheet of paper. You need these 12 different pencils. Mm-hmm. You're going to need the, like all this stuff to do this. And then if you don't do it in this very particular way, then you did it wrong. Yep. Right. Same thing. Right. Every single discipline. You has need it. the two. No, you don't. You need a pencil. You give me the bare bones and then we'll or, work our or way up. Or a pen and an arm. Because I don't even, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why I want to, why would I want to shade something? I don't know why I want to shade anything right now. Yeah, Who cares? What lights? if you did it? Who gives a shit? Just put some <laughs> shadows on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to hit two really quick questions mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe one final one. Uh, so, yeah. all right. So, uh, next question comes from, uh, comes from Menelous. Guys, what are your favorite refreshing adult beverages? R.A.B.'s. I love Belgian style triples myself. Cheers to you guys. Mm. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Uh, I, so for beer, I, I like really dark, just dark, dark stuff. So, so if you give me a stout or a porter, then I'm going to be happy almost always. I'm on that train as well. Yep. And when it comes to, uh, to cocktail like beverages, I like, I like whiskey drinks with, uh, oh God, I always forget the name of it. There's, there's this herbal liqueur that is just my favorite thing in the universe, but I can never remember the name of it. So I like to, it must meals. be really good because every time you drink it, you forget yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, what, is it, what is it called? You like what, oh, Sam? Moscow Mules. Moscow, Moscow Mules. Mules. I'm a fan of just plain old straight, just whiskey in a cup. Mm-hmm. And people say, what's your favorite? That, oh. is, that is my favorite. <laughs> whiskey in a cup. Yeah. Every, anytime I go to a bar, 
be like, I need whiskey. And like, which one? I'm like, just fucking put it in there. <laughs> just Why we got to be weird about it? I'm not a connoisseur. <laughs> just put something in the cup. Then I drink Although it. I think mm-hmm. it is true that if that if you are a bartender and somebody comes up and they don't specify, if they just say, "I just want to, I just want some whiskey," you probably sh- don't need to ask. You probably yep. shouldn't ask. You should just grab some mid shelf whiskey, <laughs> yep. pour it in a glass, call it a day. Because the reason that person just said, "I want some whiskey," is because they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck, and neither mm-hmm. should you. Yeah. <laughs> if they gave a fuck, they would specify. They would ask. What whiskeys do you have? I would also say, as far as other adult beverages, that matcha that we had in Uruguay. Yeah. Children should not drink that. My <laughs> God, they'll get wired. <laughs> that I would highly recommend. It's just a weird, it's a fun thing to drink. The act of drinking it is weird and fun. Mm-hmm. There's a ritual involved. Mm-hmm. So it's matcha. Then, How do you spell that? M-A- M-A-T-C-H-A. Yeah. I think you, you can go get it. The green stuff. Mm-hmm. You can get your, you can get your pair. It's also a great as- flavoring. In all yes. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Baked goods, ice cream, you know. That's the, if, yeah. you want, if you want to get hyped up. Yeah. Get yeah. on that matcha train. <laughs> <laughs> that. Right, next quick question comes from The Rumpus, who said, what? Where do you guys, <laughs> get, your, where do you guys get your sound effects for your commercial games? I know in the Shenana Jam document, you said to use royalty-free ones, but do you do the same for your paid games? If not, where's a place you can get some sassy sound effects? Where do we get them? Uh, so we use a program called BFXR mm-hmm. to generate all of our 8-bit stuff. Because who cares if you're making a jam game? Yeah, whatever. Um, so we actually ended up, one day I just sat down with BFXR and I just created a bunch of different sounds. So I was like, I'm going to make like three different laser sounds and three different impact sounds and whatever. And I just kind of went down a list of things that I thought we would need a lot of. Basically a placeholder library. Yeah. And so we just, we just bring those 40 or whatever sounds with us everywhere. I'm um, so like, oh, like a little coin sound. Oh, a little yeah. clicking noise, you know, a gun sound. And like, these are just like, like kinds of weird, <laughs> like they're 8-bit crunchy nonsense mm-hmm. sounds. But the great thing about 8-bit sounds is you can reuse them for, you can reuse the same sound for lots of different things because they don't sound like anything. Right. Right. As soon as you do a real sound, like, oh, this is a, like an ax hitting an animal. Right. Then that's mm-hmm. a very different sound than like chopping a rock also with a pick. a very gross sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very sort of wet, it's a wet science. It's a, right. uh, <laughs> it's a wet work. It's yeah. wet work is really what it is. Yeah. So otherwise, um, we contract Fat Bard for our, our big commercial stuff. And mm-hmm. then he, he manifests sounds from the ether. I believe once he yelled into a paper towel tube. Yeah, so the sound of the glazer and crash lids, yeah, is him holding a paper towel tube <laughs> up to his face and squealing through it. Yep. So, uh, so we just, we let that happen <laughs> off camera. Somewhere else. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere far away in a soundproof padded room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's that. What's the last one? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, the last question is, a, is just a pretty generic one, which is just, what are some difficulties you guys encountered when you started up the company? How did you get to be as successful as you are now? Wait, so we're already over time and you wanted to hit that one last? I think we could just... Yeah, we could just do it. Just do I've, it. I've got no problem with it. I just... I mean, it's a Saturday. We got nowhere to go. We got nowhere to be except GDC. Yeah. I mean, aside from the cancer. Well, so... so which yeah, is we a should, big one. We should, yeah, that was a big difference. We should also say that the literally the entire history of this podcast is the answer to this question. That's so, true. so if, get, if you got 140 yeah, hours to just, get an in-depth answer, <laughs> listen to the whole thing. That's true. That's you where you get your answer. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, some of the bigger ones. Well, obviously the cancer one, but I'm just gonna not worry about that. We got lots of documentation yeah, on that one, um, including the, documentary. <laughs> yep, don't worry about that one. Um, I think as far as the business stuff goes, it was it was it was launching enough stuff 
to have an understanding of the market fast enough that we didn't run out of money. In other words, that we could that we could learn fast enough to recognize where we had completely screwed everything up early enough. But we did we plan for that. We did yeah, plan is, for it, which is good. But but we barely we barely made it. It was down to the wire in every single context up until yeah. and we got lucky a couple times. Yeah. So no, we got lucky every, every time. Yeah, every yeah. time. Well, yeah, there's always we also got unlucky many times. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so stuff like you know our first our first launch with uh, with Talfite. We did not totally bomb. Yeah, we didn't tell the platforms about it. And we also fucked up our quadrupus launch where we didn't get an iTunes feature with it. Because, because we launched early on Google Play. Yep. yep. Not because so, we needed to, but because we had said so. We had like 12 yeah. fans at the time. We potentially cut our revenue by, I don't know, it's hard, immeasurable amount. Some yeah. horrible uh, number. You know. Which would have helped a lot during all the cancer stuff. Because yeah. it was the thing paying for everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so yeah, there's, there's so many things. I think the, the big sort of... The big one at sort of the heart of it was was not not asking enough questions early on. I think about well, how I think I don't think we could works. have. I, I don't think we could have, but like it's I, just it's hard. The, it's, it's just searching, hard yeah. at the beginning. It's the searching for junk thing. Like yeah, you, you don't, don't know, know what you're looking for. You don't know what you're looking for. You got to fuck it up first. That's basically it. Yep. Yeah. And so that means you just need to give yourself enough time and continue to do things. And I think this is an important note: is a lot of people ask questions about motivation. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a position where you're asking questions about motivation, you have taken a wrong fucking turn somewhere because you shouldn't be, if you're dedicating your life to something, you shouldn't be getting out of bed being like, but I don't want to like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. So if that's the kind of problem that you're running into, then you need to reevaluate a lot of mm-hmm. things yeah, or pick a better frame. The, pr- yeah, the problems that you're running into should be external problems mm-hmm. that are imposed upon you by like, how do I do this better? Right. How do I make people give a shit that I'm doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, I think an important thing to, to ponder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And well, think, otherwise it was just kind of getting noticed. Right. So, yeah. yeah. yeah was, that was the early stuff. I think, so I, you know, I came in a year and a half in, so that was after Tal fight and quadrant mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I, so I joined at that point where, where a lot of those problems had already been, th- those hurdles had been gotten over. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so thanks I, for nothing, Adam. So, so when I came in, <laughs> we were trying to figure out how do we make, how do we make uh crashland successful? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but more than that, I think so it's kind of starting then because when, when I came in that, that gave a little bit of breathing room uh, to the mm-hmm. studio because we could, we could stop back and think about things more often. And also, uh, I, I never hold back a question. And so I, I forced a lot of just discussions about having to think about what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of starting, for me, definitely, obviously, because that's when I joined. So starting then, uh, and then especially post Crashlands launch, the real big question, and, and that, that I think of as a difficulty, was figuring out what are we doing. Yeah, you know, like what what's the end goal? What's the point of all this? Should we have an end goal? Uh, you know, just what what's coming next? Because we had we were kind of trying to just keep our heads above water. Yeah, which for for so long that that this question of just what comes next. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we chipped away at, but never made a decision on, we didn't know. You don't need to. You don't point. need to. But then post crash lands, all of a sudden we, again, breathing room, you know? So, so this question became much more important. Um, and, uh, and we started to make decisions about what we thought we wanted to do, what we thought we needed to be. And these were based off of kind of what we saw around us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, we were kind of emulating other successful studios, you know, trying to figure out what it meant, what it means to grow, what it means to build a, a, a culture for a studio, uh, what it means to be a studio who has had a successful game mm-hmm. and now needs to make another one, you know? Right. Uh, and to me, that was actually where 
or all the things that I consider real difficulties came from after yeah. the crash lands. After launch. the crash lands yeah, launch, definitely. Uh, I was just trying to figure out what to do, and and I think, um, which, which is I guess clear for our regular podcast listeners, um, we were meandering, you know, for <laughs> for basically a, a two years. Well, it's it, part of it comes from that problem of okay. We've made it. Now let's change everything. Yeah. Right. Because we felt like we should. You well, know? It's not even feeling like you should. I feel like it's, it's, it's that you, you make it up to that point by doing things a particular way. Yeah. That is, that is caused by the constraints that you're operating under. Right. And, and then, then once those constraints, constraints lift, then yeah. you're like, oh, those constraints were causing problems for us. So we, right. so we're going to operate without them now. And but some reality, of them were. Some of them were for sure. But, yeah. but in reality, most of them actually were the thing that, that allowed you to get sort of hold on the ground and then, and yeah, then operate. the fact that you were, that we were almost out of money was the reason that we got the games out as fast as mm-hmm. we did. Um, and, and also that there was the reason that we were, that, that the work was done as quickly as possible with, with minimal effort to try to like plan everything ahead of time. And if something wasn't quite the way we wanted it, then as long as it would still work that we kept it, you know, um, because yeah, we I, just had to get stuff. Out. And I remember, I mean, last year we were working on, we were working on a game called Whippersnappers, which mm. we never really, there you go. Disclose the name, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which then sort of became, we, we migrated most of that code base and everything over into Scuffle Buddies. Um, but we ended up scrapping that project mm-hmm. because we did pre-production. Yep. So we did pre-production, which we've never done before. And we're like, this is what studios do, right? Yep. We're a stu- we're real. We've got more people now. The, the, the yeah. project scope is mm-hmm. bigger. So we have to do this. We have to do pre-production, which is this asinine part of game development where you do nothing for a long time and just think about what might become, you know, you, you forecast and you think, here's what I think the game's going to play like. Here's what I think it's going to look like. Here's what I hope to achieve. Here's what the systems will do. Mm-hmm. And then you're wrong. Yeah, you're always wrong. Because you can't know. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, especially if you are pre- going into pre-production because you want to make something beyond what you've ever done before, mm-hmm. which means you're just making shit up. Well, you're part of design document, when we did right? the math on it after, I think we did a pre-production run and then we were working on what the systems that we had come up with. And it was, it was essentially came down to every minute of pre-production that we did was equivalent to 27 times that in programming. Just in programming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if somebody goes, what if we did this? Like that sentence... Boom, 27 hours. That's, minutes. yeah. So it was a sort of thing take an where, hour to, to make Yeah, one, a one-hour discussion about some particular system or something like that that we weren't even at yet in terms of where we needed to be building. Um, yeah, but that, on, and when you hear about studios that crunch, it's like, well, no shit. I mean, you, you have two yeah. years, you have two years devoted to making this game. So you spent the first six months coming up with ideas, which are now going to take years to implement. Yeah. Then you have to crunch to do it, and you've lost six months because you spent six months doing pre-production. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, none of it makes any sense. Yeah. So I think I mean this year's this what this year's been largely about, and I think part of the reason why all of us kind of feel like we're back on track and like we're got a good target for success now with Levelhead and and then with Scuffle Buddies with the return of that later in the year. Um, you know, there's a Crashlands update coming out, first one in like yeah. a year and a half. So I think a lot of it's been realizing that the way that we were doing things that worked was just fine. Yeah, and in fact, <laughs> and in fact, was optimal for us, and it might not be for everybody else. That's the well, weird thing about having the podcast. Yeah, and, right? and I would say we we aren't doing things the same way we were we were doing back then. We're doing them better. We're doing them but better, basically. But it's, the, but same. it's the same motivation, you know. It's the same kind of core ideas. Yeah. So I mean, for Levelhead, the game is eleven weeks old. It's ready to show at GDC. Yeah, it looks good. Like dude. it's looking good. It's feeling great. There's a couple weird bugs and quirks. And, and stuff. in fact, we had this problem because this is the same problem we used to have, which was we can make the game so fast that that 
the, the question of when to talk to press about it is really weird. Because by the time we're ready to talk to press, the game's done, mm-hmm. and then now what? And there was, for example, there well, was if this... it's not done, we just we can't forecast what's going to happen. Exactly right, which we did try to do again, like didn't work. Scuffle buddies were we like, maybe, gotta, maybe we, we just can just quit tease yeah. stuff. And so we put out a we put out the fucking cinemagraph. People were like, what is this? And I was like, I don't care. About <laughs> show me the game. Yeah, like, we can't so, show you the game because it's going to be completely different later. Yeah. So yeah. And there was this competition that was that we wanted to submit to for. It's at GDC called Indie Showdown, um, which was actually what Crashlands got second place in a couple years ago. Yeah. And so we wanted to come back and submit Levelhead to it. And we, by the time the submission deadline, I think it was the 28th of February. And at the time, the game did not look good. And we sent them a note. It we was said, hey, nothing like what it is now. Yeah, it's like, only been a couple of weeks. Yeah, we were like, we really want to submit, but we, we're not going to be able to make it. Um, and it, like, it's going to look really good by the time we get to GDC, but not a minute before. <laughs> right. I mean, like yeah, today we're wrapping up just a hand, the handful of things yeah. to, to finalize it. And so, it's, and that kind of sucks, right? Cause like the timing is just bad and you can go submit to these awards or whatever else or like, you know, potentially win money in that particular case, but we're not able to take advantage of that. And then when it comes to talking to press, it's like, if we wait a week, we always know that if we wait a week, it will be massively better. Yep. Which is a weird position to be in. If you want to start talking about a thing, because it's like, you always feel you like you should always wait a week. Exactly. So, but, you know, that's the same problem we used to have, and that's so a what? problem to have. Who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just our problem. At least we're making stuff worth talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's what we should be focusing yeah, on. Yeah, well, but otherwise, it's, it's it's all been about putting the soul back into stuff, you know? And, it's easy uh, to lose your way. Like, it is, and I think we were, we were trying to become a company um, first, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then the, the team and who we are and all that stuff second, and that's just ass backwards. So now that we flip that around, now, you know, now we, you know, we still try to make sure that things are polished and things are really good. In fact... It's actually easier now because you can focus on do we like it more mm-hmm. so than will other people like it? Because uh, as long as we do, it's going to be fine, you know. Yeah, at least someone out there might agree. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and people will always hate anything. You know, we, we were just talking with uh, with Sure about this, yeah. right? Because he's getting ready to launch this new patch. And this is this will be his first designs, essentially. Yeah. Go live in the wild. Yeah. And so, so of course, now he has to contend with the fact that for the first time, he's going to put out something to the world that he is largely responsible for and, and uh, that people will hate and that people will hate. And he was, not, and he I mean, was trying to not all of them, no, no, but people yeah. hate everything. They hate right? everything. So, and he was, he was trying to, he was just trying to work through every possible thing he could do to make sure that everybody loved it. And, you know, and we had to have a discussion and just say, you know, no, that's not the goal. The goal is not to have, this is not for everybody. This mm-hmm. is for the kinds of people who like the kinds of stuff that we make, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And there are just, are people who are going to hate what you do no matter what you do. Yep. And now we're just, we decided to be okay with that. It's fine. It's fine. It's just the nature of the earth. Yeah. I'm not worried about those people. Yeah. This thing. So, I mean, they're going to be annoying because they're going to tell us that they hate us, but just mute them on Twitter. It's great. Just ignore them. (laughs) Don't block them though. Mute them. Otherwise they'll know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's an important, it's an important tactical move. I think, I think the thing to always remember when you mute somebody is just imagine that they're a toddler. Your hand is on their head and they're (laughs) swinging punches. Beautiful. Yeah. That's basically what's happening. Yeah. All right, so that's all the time we have. We gave you guys a little extra, like a little 13-minute- GDC bonus. 13-minute bonus boost shot, mm-hmm. shot of, of podcast pudding. Yeah. That is going to cost you a dollar in in-game currency, though. <laughs> yep. It is. <laughs> uh, we're going to take your loot boxes back yep. that yep. we gave you. Uh, all right, so we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Barb, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. We still have forums, right? That's a thing. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I went there a few days ago. Nice. Cool. Yep. I went there a few years ago. Uh, if you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hey. Uh, that's where we really are. 
Uh, also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you could check out our shop, which is over at shop.bscotch.net. We got t-shirts, mugs, stickers, hoverboards. No, we don't have that. We don't, but... But it'd be cool, though. Yeah, but that's the, it's called a bait and switch. You lure them in with the hoverboard, <laughs> then they accidentally buy a mug. Mm. You got them. Boom. Yep. Uh, also, if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, so you can send us a letter or a candy piece or whatever. Uh, and that's over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.